0: The views and opinions expressed on this platform are of me, myself, and I, not any agency I'm affiliated with. So please do not take what I say personally. Before I start, I do want to apologize. I've had some scheduling conflicts and a whole bunch of stuff just come up. Um, not going to get into that, but life has just been crazy, chaotic even. <laughs> um, So I've had some things going on and I'm actually recording this episode, not even at my house, not even in Utah, recording it at my brother's house. Um, If you hear snoring in the background, his giant boxer is sleeping next to me snoring and he is in fact passing gas. So I will be pausing this to gag. Anyways, that's what's going on. Sorry for the delay of the consistently weekly episode drop, whatever, but today... I'm not sure if anyone actually ever listens to the closing or gets past it or even to that point, but I do ask in the closing that people send me in like topic ideas, requests, things like that. This episode is going to be one of those brought to me by one of my friends from, as I say, Back in the Gap. But she brought this idea of what can the layperson do in EMS? And I know on this podcast I focus on like the EMS side of things, but It kind of made me think like if I was going to tell like the bystander or quote unquote layperson, because before we even show up, someone has to call 911. That's how we show up. And like I've been there, it is such a helpless feeling, especially when you don't know what to do. And when you don't have the knowledge and slash or the equipment, but you've done like all that you can do, what's next? Therefore... I've made a list of what the quote-unquote layperson can do um, or just someone with no like first responder experience, like what they can do. What I don't want to say you guys. That sounds so subjective. But what people in general can do before, you know, like the first responders, the police, the firefighters, the, the EMTs or paramedics, whoever, before we show up, what can be done? So here we go. For the first part. For the opener, if you will. Um, I'm not even putting this as like a number on the list. I'm not even putting it as a disclaimer. This one honestly should be common sense. Do not put yourself in harm's way. For instance, um, like a personal experience during like one of the hurricanes that I've worked during that shift before. If there are power lines down, like and someone's having a medical emergency around where the power line is, don't even go near it. Don't go down that road. Don't risk your life. Just don't. Another one, if someone has jumped into a pool and they're unconscious, don't just jump in after them. Gently, cautiously, if, especially if they're already floating up. Just go towards them, kind of slowly, you know, swim over towards them, support their neck and support their back and get them to a safer location. You can even keep them in the pool. If they're not breathing or they don't have a pulse, then you can, you know, do the heroic thing, you know, bring them out of the pool, get them on a dry ground. That's different. So many people are paralyzed because they dive into a pool, they break their neck, they float up to the top, and then someone jumps in after them. And because of all like the the rippling motions and all the commotion, it further injures their neck, whereas it could have been just like a neck fracture or something like that, whatever it is. But now they're paralyzed because it's a further injury. But because people flip out, this causes more harm to that individual and then they get paralyzed. And really, big picture, in any situation, no matter how much adrenaline you have going, stop and think. You have like three seconds to stop and think, to take a breath. Think to yourself, is this safe? Did that person put themselves in harm's way to get into this predicament that they're in, that I'm about to rush into? Also, are you going to make yourself a victim by trying to rescue this person? Because there are even things that we ask ourselves in the emergency setting to where we're making sure we're not going to be victims ourselves. Because especially like, not to make us sound better than we are, whatever, Our biggest thing is that we're not trying to create more victims by having ourselves be put in harm's way. Because if we're not able to help them, that it defeats the purpose. I know there are stories about, you know, like firefighters, cops, even medics who put their life on the line, et cetera, to save somebody. But the difference between like, I mean, I hate the way this sounds, the difference between us versus some random, you know, Joe Blow on the street is that we're trained professionals. And honestly even in some of those stories, maybe I'm just a chicken. I'm also thinking to myself, like, thank you for that act, but I'm I'm trying to make it home at the end of my shift. And even on the flip side of those heroic efforts, more people attempt to act in an emergent situation in a way that, you know, they'll save somebody's life, but they'll, you know, may, they may die. Consequently, by doing these things and trying to be the hero of the story, they end up causing themselves to be another victim or a patient. It always just You have those three seconds to stop, take a breath, and evaluate. Anyways, I've kind of narrowed it down, and here's my list of 10 things the layperson can do in an emergency setting, according to Alexis Hardwick. This is the most important one, so it's going at the top of the list. Number one, if you did not call 911 but you're driving and an ambulance or a cop or a fire truck pulls up behind you or is driving around you, you don't have to cross five lanes of traffic to get over whatever. If they're behind you, just pull to the right. If it's like a sea of traffic, pull. Tr- still try to pull to the right. Pull over to what direction? Create the pathway for them. Literally, if they're behind you, just pull to the right. Not the left. Not, don't slam on your brakes. Don't start swerving. Just calmly pull to the right the right. Not the left. The right. If you don't know your left and your right, take your two hands. Put them in front of you. Put all your fingers down, except for your index finger and your thumb. The one that looks like an L, don't pull that way. The one that does not look like an L, pull to that direction. Literally, not that hard. I'm putting this as 1.5 because it's also the most important, but pulling to the right is more important. List item number 1.5. Get your CPR card. Find an AHA, American Heart Association class. Find a CPR class near you sponsored by the AHA. Take the class and have the card because we may be two minutes away or in some places 30 minutes away. Or in some places even longer. That is a really long time for someone to go without a heartbeat. Or if someone is choking and can't breathe you know what to do. Even if you never get to use this card there may be that one time where you can be the difference between someone living at the end of the day or someone dying. Having your basic cpr card not only teaches you how to do the Heimlich or chest compressions or whatever it also teaches you when If someone still has a pulse, you don't need to do CPR. And if you're saying to yourself right now, I can never do chest compressions on somebody, that would hurt them. You know what hurts? Making a family plan a funeral. Or if you're saying, well, if I do CPR and hurt them, I could go to jail. If you have a CPR card, I think in like most states, you're protected under the Good Samaritan law. And that's kind of like this whole thing if you don't accept monetary gifts or possessions in return for your act. And the whole law says like you did what you did under good intention of trying to help. And especially like, I mean, if you're trying to help, I mean, is someone really going to be that mad? I don't know. It's kind of, in my opinion, it's just kind of worth it. Someone could literally live because of what you did. Item number two, if slash you call 911, do as the 911 dispatcher tells you. They're trained for this job and they handle whatever emergency all day long or all night long. They literally have cards in front of them that they're trained to ask. Answer the questions, it's not that hard. And please, for the love of God, don't hang up on them. Even if they're like, well, help us on the way, even if they hang up on you. Keep your phone nearby, because what if we have to call you back because we can't find the location? Good segue. Item number three, location. Know where you are. Know the street name. Know like a general area. Yes, they can track your phone to figure out where you're at, but if they don't know where to send the first responders to, literally defeats the entire purpose of you calling 911. I've personally responded to GPS coordinates and it's very painful because I'm going to go ahead and um, really put myself out there. I am terrible with directions as is, let alone you give me coordinates to look up on a map. Dear God, I hope it's not critical because it's going to take me a second. I'm just, I'm sorry. It's something I'm working on. I'm getting better, but woo. If you don't know where you are, we don't know either. Again, we, you know, there are systems, they can track you, they can pull up locations and pins and whatnot, but I mean, it's just, it's painful for everybody involved. Number four, if you're calling for somebody and you're not sure that they're breathing, put your hand by their mouth or their nose and then just watch their chest or stomach. This is kind of a huge deal. If they're not breathing, we need to know that. If they are still breathing, but it's just weird, we need to know that. Not just because, like, oh, it makes it more important. There is certain equipment that if we're not prepared for, it takes a second to go back and get if we did not bring everything in. Very important stuff. Because also, if they're not breathing, their heart will stop beating very soon after. Number five, if someone is bleeding and it's a lot of blood, not just, like, oh, there's a cut on the leg. Like, if they are profusely bleeding, grab their shirt, grab a towel, Grab whatever you have around you and put it on the wound and put pressure. That easy. Because that's probably exactly what we're going to do. If it's spurting, like I don't really advocate for using a belt or shoestrings. It's what we're taught against. But I mean, if it's bleeding enough, just do it. Like it, it's going to save that person's life. So, meh. Number six, if there has been a wreck, if someone has had a significant fall, if someone's got hit by a car, Whatever the case, and that person, if they're complaining at all, if they're able to talk, if they're complaining of neck or back pain, keep the person as still as you can. We may or may not put a C-collar on them, and it helps if they've been kept still. That will help prevent further neck injuries. It's literally exactly what we're going to do nine times out of ten. List item number seven. If it's night, use lights. If you have a porch light, if you have flashlights, if you're in the middle of, you know, wherever you're at, we love lights. We love to be able to see where we're going to. And if you see the ambulance, wave once. You don't have to keep waving because if you keep waving and I'm pulling up, I'm literally going to say in the radio, we have a waiver. Like, I understand you want to make sure that we see where you're at, but like looking like you're one of those blow up things outside the car wash, it You just look dumb. I'm sorry. Like nine times out of 10, we've seen the house number. We see you wave once. You're good. We can see you. The windshields are huge. Number eight, keep the patient calm. Keep everybody around you calm. I know it's an emergency. You've called 911. Everyone's panicking. It it doesn't help anybody when we show up and everybody's worked up because the first thing we're going to do is calm everybody down as best as we can. And if you need to, distract them because i can guarantee you we love to roll up after we've gotten a lot of like the basic information out of why we're here it is so helpful if someone already has the name date of birth um any medications that the person takes uh any big important history like any big important medical history if somebody already has that written down it saves us time it's information we need it is very helpful Number nine, if the patient is not fully able to talk or is kind of sleepy or they're saying stuff and it's not really making sense, for the love of God, please don't have them drink water or eat something. Like, yeah, they're awake and like, oh, they need a sip of water or something like that. They can also choke, which makes a whole other issue. Or they don't, like, if somebody's having a diabetic problem and you're trying to have them, like, drink some juice and it's just spilling out of their mouth that's just going to go right down their throat. They're going to choke. It's going to be a whole other issue. Just don't, like, I thank you for trying, but it's best if you don't because we're not going to give them any water. This, I'm sorry, this is not a flight service. You don't get water in the ambulance. But also, big picture, they can choke and they will die. And lastly, unless everyone is dead or unconscious, Don't call for a wreck just because you passed by. If you're in the middle of nowhere and you actually pulled over and checked on everybody and like everyone's fine, perfect. Thank you for at least trying. If somebody needs 911 called and they haven't already, that's fine. Understandable. We appreciate your willingness to help, but if people are in a wreck and awake, if they need us, they'll call. Like, I mean, if you're that worried about it, stop and ask. Because we'll get dispatched to Rex, and we get there, and they're like, oh, we're, we're good, thanks. Like, do we mind going to the call? No, not for a second. Is it aggravating when you get there, and it's like, oh, we're, we're all good, thanks, thanks for something, but," A little bit, yeah, not going to lie. Like, why did we show up? Another thing that's aggravating, if someone's in a park or behind a building or something like that, And it looks like they're sleeping, especially if something is behind their head that looks like a pillow. They're probably sleeping. I'm just, I'm going to be honest. If you're not that worried about it, to go up to them and double check, leave them alone. It's just, it's that simple. Because otherwise, we end up, we go lights and sirens and we risk our life and the people, everybody else on the road's lives to get to this this call and the person sleeping. It just, I'm sorry. It's just, it's a waste of time. It gets old. So if you're passing by a wreck, if you're passing by somebody on the side of the road, if you're not going to stop and ask, like, thank you, but don't. Um, Some of this is kind of just rant-ish, and I'm sorry. It just, it's stuff that just, it wears on you after a while. So, um, those are my ten things. If you can think of anything else, let me know. I'll edit the list. I'll add more. I'll take away. Whatever you think, let me know. So with that. So guys, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, future topic ideas, please email me at twenty-two at the lips podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's two two at the lips podcast at gmail.com. Thanks. Never stop learning and be safe out there, friends.